0: You are listening to a podcast from West Hill United Church, located in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate. Good morning. Good morning. My name is John DePetty. and uh, I'm just going to wait till we get the rest of the folks that are out in the lobby and they can join us this morning. As we start every Sunday service, we humbly acknowledge that we are on the traditional territories of the Mississauga of the New Credit First Nations, which lands were previously occupied by the Seneca and Huron-One-Dot First Nations. So.
1: The theme this morning is the is the concept of belonging and and when we look at um, this little bunch of phrases it it uh, it, it stands out to me beautifully um, when you are when you realize you are a connected member of a web of life that's so vast, so complex, so mysteriously beautiful, it gives you a sense of identity and 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 you're grounded in that. And then when you look around you on that web and see there's other folks there, you ask yourself, well, how do I act with them on this web? And that we pick out of the available options. We try to choose that we will act lovingly. And since we need to know how to do that, I was confronted by a friend last week in the most pleasant and caring way about something I wasn't doing as well as I thought I was in a certain relationship, a friend relationship. And, of course, I didn't think I was wrong at all. Not a, not at all. I, I was quite right and until I listened and found out there was a gap there and I needed to do differently in it. And so that wisdom comes from sharing and having the courage to say, you know, when you said that, it kind of hurt or it kind of left me out. And that's the idea of the belonging, how we can make that even better and better.
2: We have
0: a number of readings this morning. Our first reading is from Rosika Schwimmer. Rosika was a Hungarian Jewish pacifist, feminist, and female suffragette. And she founded the Hungarian Feminist Association and helped found what became the first women's trade union. And she wrote, I am an uncompromising pacifist, and I have no sense of nationalism, only a cosmic consciousness of belonging to the human family. The second reading is from Aldo Leopold. He's an American ecologist, or was an American ecologist, scientist, scholar, professor, uh, philosopher, writer, and considered the father of wildlife ecology. And he wrote, we abuse the land because we regard it as a commodity belonging to us. When we see the land as a community to which we belong, we may begin to use it with love and respect. And the third reading is from uh, George Bernard Shaw. Uh, as many of you know, he was an Irish playwright uh, and also a social critic Uh, polemicist and political activist. And he wrote, I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the community, and as long as I live, it is my privilege to do it for whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die, for the harder I work, the more I live. Life is no brief candle for me, It's a sort of speckled, pardon me, a sort of splendid torch that I've got to hold on for a moment and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. Offer it as wisdom for the journey.
1: to read all these books to you. I would love to read all these books to you. I brought um, many last week about the idea of our identity, about who we are, and, and, and I lent some of the books. Some people asked if they could borrow them, and I was happy to lend them. Nobody, and I was quite hurt about this, nobody asked to borrow my encyclopedia of Gastropod mollusks. And nobody wanted to borrow the encyclopedia of nudibranchs, either. I I, I don't know what's happened to your taste in reading, but I took them home and put them back on my shelf. These books might be a little more to your liking. And I want, um, the topic, the, 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 What I want to emphasize today is the idea of belonging to the web of life gives us a sense of belonging. And belonging is one of the pillars of mental health principles. And the first one is a sense of yourself. The second one is a sense that you belong, that you belong. You're not isolated, you're not extricated from from everyone. And so I, I want to share a few of these books with you. This is a very old book called English Villages and Hamlets. Has anyone here ever lived in a hamlet? you lived in a hamlet, yes. In no, in a, anyone who has lived in an in a English village and hamlet... Has a sense of belonging to that little place more than many people would in the GTA uh, uh, or even an apartment building in Toronto. You lived in an English village and hamlet, you had a sense of belonging to it. And of course, it was always friendly and caring and no backbiting and no no gossip. No, no, that's not the case. But it was. This is another old book. I have a whole series of these. This is called The Guilds of the City of London. The Guilds of the City of London. These were groups of different kinds of crafts and, and professionalism that you could belong to. And if you belonged to this guild, you were loyal to that guild. And there were other guilds, but that wasn't your guild, so you had no loyalty to that guild. You were part of a guild. The um, guild would. That 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 whole place was started as that idea. The First World War on the Home Front. I haven't finished this book, but it's very, very interesting. We usually focus on the Second World War, but this is the First World War. And this was the war where it started to be that since... When men were all gone to war, most of them were gone to war, women had to take jobs that men had taken before, because they had had to get the job done. But when many, not all, when some of the men came back, well, women don't belong in that job. They don't belong to that. That's our territory. You were just temporary, and now we want it back. Belonging. Emily Post Etiquette a small a small book on how you should behave if you want to belong to polite company I have several of these um, and I read them to Greta oh. <laughs> Emily says you should no I don't do that but it, 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 in manners can help you well, one of the definitions of manners is being kind to those you, you don't know. There's a kindness. But it can also be, if you don't have the exact manners, you don't belong in this company. Which side do you put the flirt- How How is the knife facing? Well, if you came to the table and the knife was facing the wrong way, you knew that person didn't belong in your society. Yeah. Hilarious. Mark Twain... Roughing it in the Sandwich Islands, which is Hawaii. He talks, well, if you've ever read Mark Twain on anything to do with travel, he's a delicious, um, sarcastic observant man who talks about the British missionaries and the Dutch missionaries who owned Hawaii and very kindly let some of the native Hawaiians work for them and were very kind to them so that they could still belong but they weren't in charge but they belonged they weren't in charge this is the only Stephen King book I've ever read The stand. It was recommended by a, a colleague of mine. End of the world almost wiped out by plague. The survivors have to start again and make a society. And there's goodns and there's badduns and how do they get a sense of belonging with so many challenges? It is a frightening book. It's a very good read. This is the long version, there's a shorter version, but it's 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 stunningly penetrating how do we treat each other in very, very difficult times and do we sort ourselves out into groups or not? That one. The Trumpet of the Swan. How many know The Trumpet of the Swan? How many know Charlotte's Web? This is the Charlotte's Web guy. This is another of his books. The other one, Charlotte's Web and can't remember his other one. Uh, Charlotte Webb is a spider. And this is a... I love this the best. The the Trumpet of the Swan is about a swan who couldn't trumpet. He was trumpetless. And what... He he was left out because he didn't belong with swans because all swans can trumpet. And so his father, a very righteous man, um, goes against all his values and steals a Trumpet for his son, so his son can blow the trumpet and belong, and their son wants to do this because he 's in love with a another swan, and and she thinks he 's defective, so she can 't be with him and so it 's a, it's a beautiful story of belonging, not Gilbert and Sullivan. Pirates of Penzance. My favorite thing in the world is the Pirates of Penzance. The HMS Pinafore. Some of you may have played a part in the HMS Pinafore a- in school. Uh, the Mikado. I have a little list of people who would not be missed. That was sung by the Lord High Executioner. Clever song. Um, I should have used that as a group of Belonging. They wrote plays that poked fun at the pretentiousness and bombasticness of high British society that thought, we are not like you, you don't belong in us, we have status. And one of the best songs with that is the fellow that became the ruler of the Queen's Navy, if you recall that. When I was a lad, I served a turn as an office boy to an attorney's firm. I cleaned the windows and I swept the floor and I polished up the handle of the big front door. I polished up that handle so carefully that now I am the ruler of the Queen's Navy. And he goes off and says the things he did, ordinary things, but he was born right. So... I grew so rich that I was sent by a pocket borough into Parliament. I always voted at my party's call, and I never thought of thinking for myself at all. I thought so little, they rewarded me by making me the ruler of the Queen's Navy. And it goes on and on and on. Now, landsmen all, whoever you may be, if you want to rise to the top of the tree, if your soul isn't fettered to an office stool, be careful to be guided by this golden rule. Stick close to your desks and never go to sea. And you all may be rulers of the Queen's Navy. And they, they would just make fun of the, the status that divided people into the, to the rich and the poor, or the, the sophisticated, the aristocrats and the no. And now we come to one of the more difficult topics about belonging, and that's religion. And I say this with with the ultimate respect, and if I ever sound to you disrespectful, please come to me and say, that jarred with me, I'm not comfortable with that, and and we can talk about it, always, always. Um, Marcus Borg is a a writer who who did a tremendous amount of work uh, bringing to light critical scholarship in Christian, in Christian um, studies so that the, the people in the pew could know what the students in the schools were learning. And he did it in, in many, many books. Uh, Greta was a keynote speaker with him in, in the Maritimes, and they disagreed on some things, but they, they really liked each other. It was a good meeting because of the values they shared together. He, he wrote this book called Speaking Christian. If this book has meant a great deal to you, I am not challenging it on that line at all. But I challenged him on the idea of speaking Christian. He, in, in the book, at some point he says, Greta Vosper, and I thought this was amazing that he would do this so uh, like, collegially, Greta Vosper uh, makes a bracing case for using language that everybody uses to describe things that everybody sh- you know, can, can, can participate in. But he said, I won't do that, because if we did that, we would lose our identity as belonging to the Christian world. So he wanted to retain the language to belong I'm not criticizing that, I'm saying, but that's what what the the dividing was. And Greta was saying, can we get beyond the beliefs that divide and use the language that includes all of us? His example was that if you're French and you stop speaking French, you're not French anymore. And I thought, I I couldn't get that. You could still be French and speak anything you liked. But that sense of, do we divide ourselves off something different, something else, It's again one of those you're not in, and I am. Walter, Walter Kaufman wrote a book, he's a philosopher, he's not with us anymore. Excellent, excellent words, um, uh, critiquing philosophy, critiquing theology. And this book is his book called The Faith of a Heretic. The Faith of a Heretic. Now, he's not in any way religious, but he believes deeply in the values that we would share here. But the idea of heretic, another word of that belonging, if you don't believe this, you don't belong in this group. If you, if you don't believe this about an invisible possibility, then you don't belong. And the word heretic has been used in the religious world, in every religion, to push people outside, not because of their behavior, not because of their behavior, but because of what they assent to or not in their belief system. So to belong, you have to believe something, and and, and you could behave, I suppose, any way you wanted, but that's the heretic idea. And the last one... My hero, I've talked about many times, Douglas Adams, is no longer with us. I am just finishing, for the fourth time, the Dirt Gently Holistic Detective Agency and the uh, Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul. I brought that and nobody borrowed it either, so I just read it again. <laughs> but Douglas Adams is the author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is a romp, it's a trilogy in five parts. And it's a romp through the galaxy, the most outrageous thing, but it's so clever. He also went on a trip in a boat with Mark Carradine, who is an ecologist, a naturalist. And they went on a boat to t- visit ten places, the last chance to see certain animals that were going extinct. Last chance to see is the name of the book. Do those animals belong? Are they even still with us? Or have we lived in such a way that they aren't part of us anymore? But the, but the reason I was bringing this in with the religion part is because ten years later, Douglas Adams has died, and his place was taken with Mark on a boat trip to see how those animals were doing. And the man that went with them this time was none other than Stephen Fry. Now, if you know big, lovely, uh, amazing Stephen Fry... He is most certainly a gay man. My previous religious life would not have watched that program because he didn't belong. And I regret that idea so much. He was about the same values. He went on that boat, got mosquito bitten and dunked in the water and he did all the hardships. Just the same as my hero, who I don't know what he believed, but I knew that... And I'm so glad that I've shifted away from anyone that would say, he doesn't belong in that boat because of an orientation. <laughs> so the idea of belonging, the definition of belonging, and I'm just going to give you some words... It's an emotional need to connect with people, to have a sense of loyalty and security, to belong to a specific group or a larger group, because there's something compatible about it. You feel like you belong. You're accepted, you're you're paid attention to, you're supported, and we often talk about these things here. A sense of belonging to a group, but I want to widen it today, because the benefits are too great to leave to small groups. Groups, but the sense of belonging helps you protect and define yourself. They've made study after study and said, you feel like you belong, your health is better. You feel like you belong, your psychological health is better. You feel you belong, you feel safer. You feel you belong, you can be comforted when you're having difficulties. There's so many benefits to feeling belong. So in the past, in the past, how many ever lived in a house with more than one generation living in the same house? More than one gender. That was a very common thing. Very, very common. The family belonged. You didn't let them go. Uh, one of the things I have to work still is is people that can't care for their loved one anymore. They don't want to place them in a nursing home because that means they don't care anymore. There's a stigma because family takes care of their own even to the detriment of the health of the one doing the caring. So the belonging was, was kin. Kin. You don't, you don't neglect kin. Then there's the neighborhood. the neighborhood. How many have lived in a neighborhood where you knew more than five people in it? You know more than five people in your neighborhood. How many are living in a place where you might not know five people anymore? You're living in an apartment. Maybe you've lived in a long place, but there are people there. you just moved. You've just moved in the sense of belonging. Um, One of the things about moving into long-term care. People think, well, you you lose most of your furniture. You lose your pet. But you also lose your next-door neighbor. You'll also lose your doctor and your pharmacist and your librarian and all the things that make you feel you belong. So, Betty, I hope you belong nice and, and, and smoothly. And cool. Who wouldn't want to belong to Betty? I can't imagine who wouldn't. And then, how many in your work life have worked for the same employer for more than 20 years? More than 20 years. More than 30 years? My hand is still up. 30 years? Most young people today don't think they're going to work for the same place for more than five years. That is such a change. But when you put your hand up with that, you felt you belonged to that company. Your loyalty, your, your, your familiarity was, was there. And then your church, your church. People all over the country, you belong to your church. But the thing about belonging to a group. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but belonging to a group, there are boundaries There is an inside the group, and there is an outside of the group. Now, that can even be that you're welcome to join the group, but until you do, you're outside the group, and there's a boundary there. And boundaries protect, but boundaries also exclude. And sometimes we don't even know when they're doing that, because we're on the inside. So we don't feel we don't feel like we're excluding anyone, but sometimes even the name of our organization can do that. So as soon as we have a boundary, you know, when they talk about it in social psychology, it's a power relationship that you're not even aware of, even if you say, "Come join us." Uh, we were in a church in England that was called a progressive church, and so we went, and there, I couldn't I couldn't even. I couldn't detect a progressive thing in the service. It was a, a, a set service with high Anglican set service, which is absolutely fine. But I couldn't figure out what the progressive part was. So I asked the minister later, in a very warm and inviting tone, what, could you tell me what... And she said, well, we put on the sign, everyone welcome. <laughs> well, that, that's a good start I like that, everyone welcome but as soon as you got in it was a whole set that you might not have felt welcome at all if that wasn't your world so exclusion, family Family's a lovely place I, I think I have told you this before I wrote and delivered a course at Durham College uh, they, they asked me to write one called Complex Family Dynamics and so these are nurses and physiotherapists and occupational therapists and PSWs in the class, and I asked them how many of you have worked with a family in your job that has complex dynamics? And everybody put their hand up. And then I asked how many live in a family with complex dynamics? And they all put their hand up. Because family is a sense of belonging, but it can also be a very, a very difficult place to feel you belong. In one of my counseling f- uh, field placements in, in my Master's of Counseling degree, I was put at a, a counseling I- uh, institution just as an observer. And, and, and they were working with this large, large family, one of whom had come for counseling because she didn't feel... She didn't even know what was wrong. She just wasn't happy. And it turned out she had no sense of belonging. And they brought her whole family in to talk, a big family. And they all encouraged her. Of course you belong, of course you belong. You know, as soon as you finish that degree, as soon as you finish that degree, because they all had professions and degrees. And this one, you know, and what bothered me was the counselor encouraged her to finish the degree. And I remember as just a student saying, isn't she quite all right without the degree? But the belonging in that family was very much your education. And for some people, it's other qualities. You belong, you do done. And I won't ask you to put your hand up, but you, many of us have had times in our family where we didn't feel we belonged. It didn't feel as comfortable as we wanted it to feel. That could be with the extended family or not. And then neighborhood, a lovely feeling of neighborhood. Neighborhoods are places where people care about each other. Unless maybe you're living on the wrong side of the tracks. Well, where's that? Was it really a track, maybe, or maybe not? But it was you don't belong on this side. And these days, there are countries in the world where you're getting shot if you cross into a place where you're not, where you don't belong. Uh, Johnny Rivers. He's he's complaining that he lives on the poor side of town. Was was there a marker in the town? (laughs) This is the poor side and this is the... I went to... uh, My parents moved us to Sarasota, Florida when I was a teenager. I had lived in White Weston. Purely White Weston. And I moved to a, a, a southern state school and I went to school the first day and it was lunchtime. And I took my lunch, and I looked around where there was a place to sit. I didn't know anybody. And I went to sit there, and uh, a monitor came and said, Not there. And I had no idea why, but that was, and I'm going to use the word she used, that was the table for the colored students. I had no idea why that would m- make any difference to where I sat, but it didn't sit there, and I, sh- I needed to know that, or and I, I always wondered what the ore would be but there was a divide in the lunchroom and I was not, I was not anywhere used to that so neighborhood and and, and, and then, then church again again uh, you're saved and you're not saved um, I grew up singing a song one door and only one and yet the sides are two I'm on the inside on which side are you? And may, may I add quickly, that was sung um, with such love for that other person to come in. It wasn't, it wasn't a pejorative, it was, you're in danger, come in, come in, we're all welcome, come in. Um, and then the speaking Christian idea. Do we, do we divide people up with our beliefs like that? And then socioeconomic, socioeconomic status. Nobody wrote that as well as Dickens did. Dickens was able to to show people, and they read it. The upper class read his stuff. They came out in serials, right? Like, he would wait for the next one. People would line up to get the next chapter of a Dickens book. Name a Dickens book. Charles Dickens. Hmm? Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. And that's right. Yeah, Taylor it was the best of times it was the he he Oliver Twist such a, a distance between the rich and the poor uh, uh, he he wrote, and and they and Jane Austen Jane Austen that wonderful speech where um oh for goodness sakes, what's his, Darcy proposes to Elizabeth in the most insulting terms that he is willing to to lower himself to her moral status and does she realize the sacrifice he would be making if he married her but he confesses that he loves her and he will lower himself. She actually turned him down. Was that surprising that she would turn down such a generous offer of marriage but we all looked for her when she turned it down. And then, um, Many, many musicals, many things. Uh, My mom used to say when we were watching a historical drama, that was when the rich were very rich and the poor was very poor. And I feel like my mother would be using that a little more um, contemporarily now, nowadays. So now we can choose more freely what we can belong to, what we belong to. You, you just have to go on the web and you could join so many groups, so many different things, and they're not going to ask you where you were born or what color your skin is or what your degree is or whatever. There's lots more chances to belong. But I wanted to just concentrate on the idea that if it's only in groups, particular groups, that we have a sense of belonging, then what happens if somehow or other we're not part of that group anymore? Or that's not working for us? Or we move? Or things like that. And I wanted to just settle in with the idea that that web of life gives us a sense of belonging that never ends. No matter what you belong to in a group, you are part of the stunningly amazing web of life Greta took one of my shell boxes without asking me I, 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 didn't, I didn't have anything in it yet but it was my shell box and she drilled holes in the top of it and she's got monarch butterflies um, reproducing themselves in this little box with milkweed and, and we've got little chrysalises hanging down with that beautiful gold rim around it gold rim. Rim, beautiful, stunning thing, and then the caterpillars and the jay and they're they're going on on uh, like that, and and they are. Why was I telling you that? Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was just complaining about my box. Um, the the web of life happening in that little container. We watched a video of how this caterpillar does it. I stood there with my mouth open. I had no idea it was that complicated the little thing does. But we're part of that. We are members of that. We belong to that. No matter what group has accepted you, or group has rejected you, or group you never fit in, how many of us, don't put your hand up, how many of us stood in a line in school, a long line, where the two captains picked whoever they wanted on their team? And some of it you would know, put your hand up anyway, yes. And you, you stood there thinking, please pick me, please pick me. I don't want to be the last. And again, you don't have to put your hand up, but if you've ever been the last, you didn't belong. They had to pick you because you're standing there and they needed that many on the team. How many times have we not fit in? But... The idea of the web of life says that no matter what school you go to, no matter what group you belong, a reading group, uh, the granite club, for goodness sakes, whatever you belong to or don't belong to, there's something bigger and more important that you belong to. And it gives you an identity like we talked last week. But it also gives you that sense of, I am firmly implanted on the most wonderful thing I can imagine, which is this web of life. It it gives us expectations. I I, I I How do I live on this web? And that's what we're going to be talking about that n- next week. How many have ever watched a child in school? Oh my goodness, my my older daughter. Uh, I won't give details, but she struggled to fit in a lot. Smart kid. But just didn't match socially the kids that were around at the time, and she was bullied and bullied and bullied in school, just horrendously. You can't even imagine that people would do that to someone. We went down to the school, my wife and I, the ex-wife that's turning 63. Um, I actually wrote her. I wrote her an email. I said, "Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, dear Debbie, happy birthday to you." This is me singing to you. If you can't hear me, I will sing louder. She wrote back. She said, "Fortunately, I am in Connecticut, out of earshot." well she's heard me sing so I can't blame her for that (laughs) the idea of a child trying to fit in what the the vice principal told us is well we can't do anything because if we did anything about those bullies it would only get worse for her and so we were she can't even get a sense of belonging in her own school because other people were saying you have to be like this now my younger daughter she was she could fit anywhere excepting that we didn't let her go to the ravine parties with the motorbikes and the, 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 the beer there. And when she was like, four, 14 it was very unnecessarily strict of us I'm sure but well, she thought so but she couldn't go to the ravine parties and if you didn't go to the ravine parties the next day at school all the cool kids were talking about the ravine party and if you didn't know anything about that you got left out and so she was crying one day and she said but dad the kids that don't go to the ravine party are boring so she didn't know where she fit she she didn't she wasn't allowed to go here and she was bored here and she would end up crying we would pick her up for lunch and take her out for lunch but parents don't substitute for a sense of belonging with your peers so the best I could do was buy her a dog. I bought her a dog. I didn't want a dog, but I bought her a dog. And, and she loved the dog. But still didn't fix the problem of, of, of fitting in. How many times have you seen a kid or anybody change their behavior, take on a persona, act a certain way that they don't even want to act, but they have to do that to get to the sense of belonging? How many times in a family situation have you taken on a view? How many times have you acted in a way that's not you so that you felt you belonged? And the falseness of that is something I want to pour into that mix. You do belong. You belong to something so amazingly bigger than whatever that small thing is you've been excluded from that it, it, it ought to fill us with a sense of the same benefits that come from being in that. The the bully idea, i worked with that so much at my workplace, the, the idea that, um, well, actually, if you take a bully and you put him in a counseling office and you rip him open, you don't see strength and power and, and you see a puddle of insecurity that doesn't feel they belong unless they... Are aggressive with it. And, and I've worked for so long and I've worked about the idea of bullying and the respect in the workplace. Only once have I ever had a bully self identified come in and say, I think that describes me. I don't want to be that. Can we work on that? Which was amazing to do that. And say, I've excluded people. So, to promote the idea of belonging, the question being, there are certain words you can use. That exclude, without even knowing it. That's how I got confronted a few, a few days ago, a few weeks ago. A word I was using excluded someone. I just thought it was a good word. And when it was put to me how that felt, I think, oh, oh, I see now what that did to that person. I didn't mean to do that, but maybe a little bit I did. I don't know, but... I, I I surrendered to that. I said, "Thank you, Thank you for showing me that. I don't want you feel excluded because of a word. Certain words, certain phrases, and certain tones can exclude someone else. There's other words that include. There's other words and tones and facial expressions. See, it's so much here. So it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter anything. You belong. You belong with us on this web of life. So, there is a movie called Home No More. Familiar to anyone? Home No More. It's a documentary. This writer, I'm just going to read this so I don't get it uh, wrong. He 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 interviewed three Muslim women considering leaving Quebec City in the aftermath of the deadly mosque shooting in January of 2017. They had lived in Quebec uh, Quebec City for years and years and years. And if in case you're not re- remembering what happened there, it was on January 29th. A 27-year-old opened fire on a mosque of the Islamic Cultural Center of Quebec, killing six people, injuring 19, and irrevocably altering the lives of many people. And as much as the deaths and the injuries were horrendous, the altering of life, the message was, you don't belong. I don't think you belong here. Whereas they were residents for a long time, but you don't belong here because of your, your culture or religion. The writer of the of the documentary said he wanted to find out how the shock waves of that attack affected people who weren't directly affected, but heard the message that they didn't belong. He said, I heard that a number of individuals and families, some of whom had lived in Quebec for decades, had decided to leave the city and live there no longer in the aftermath of the shooting. The incident was not the only factor in their decision, but it was the culmination of a series of events that occurred prior to that linked the global wave of Islamophobia, but also in the political context of Quebec. And he interviewed these three women who said, I love this city, I love my neighborhood, I love living here, But I don't belong. I feel like the message was I don't belong and I'm scared. And they debated living because of all the things they would lose if they left. And and the interviewer said that rarely are Muslim women interviewed for how does it feel when you read these things and you hear these things because they don't feel they can speak because they don't belong. And that's that message that for the world could catch. You belong in the web of life, ma'am. You belong in this web of life. You have every right to tell us your experience, the same as anybody else. How have we disprivileged you that you don't think you have that voice? And so he made this movie. It was a, an award-winning movie. I, I had not heard of it. Uh, but what he, he ended saying, I hope that viewers will reflect on what it means for racialized Quebecois who have made Quebec City their home, to be rejected by people who are themselves settlers on this land. I also hope the film will provoke other questions about home and belonging. What does it mean to belong? And what does it mean to feel displaced in a place that you call home? What does it feel to be displaced in a place you find home when the um, Schobach's family when the little boys were just here I don't remember how soon it was uh, someone asked the younger one where are you from and I, I'm not sure he under even understood the question but he said Canada because that's where he was now so that's where he's from just got here but I've, I'm and they asked him again where were you before Canada he, he had a sense of belonging do you know why he had a sense of belonging because he was shown that he belonged. In word, in deed, in, in facial expression, he was shown that he belonged. Uh, and the whole family, I mean, the struggle of getting to know the place, yes. I remember being in a dinner party with uh, uh, the, the fearless group, had a barbecue celebrating Showback and his family's arrival here. Shobak and Simula were, were sitting at the table with me and I was talking to the two of them and we were talking about language and words and how I never wanted them to feel left out of a conversation because I didn't understand a word, so please tell me if you, And he said, Shobak said, no, I, I, I can follow you when you're talking. When a lot of people in the room are talking back and forth to each other, I can't, I can't follow. And I never even thought, because they they were talking one by one, but it was too much to follow that. So he he just backed up a bit, didn't quite belong in that. Not that it was intentional, but all these ways of people feeling they didn't didn't belong. So my question to you is, have you ever felt that you didn't belong in your family, in your town, in your group, in your church, in your wherever, and just to acknowledge that that hurt, that hurt, Wherever it's been in your past, I've worked with at least 27 staff members whose own family did not give them a sense of belonging. Even you know, a sense of respectful identity, for goodness sakes. But they didn't even feel that when you came home and your mother had written uh, profanity on your bedroom wall with lipstick to tell you to clean your room up. Uh, this, uh, I'm not exaggerating. This is, uh, so the sense of belonging in your own home. So if that's been your life, that hurts. And that has, what he said, irrevocable damage. And you deserve the healing and the strength and the sense of belonging in this gorgeously luscious web of life that you belong to ipso facto without another qualification at all except your breathing. You know, we even have rules in the nursing home when you're not breathing anymore that they treat that body with respect. there are rules there are laws about the body even after death so the sense of belonging so and then is there someone we are leaving out of a sense of belonging by a word or a deed and how can we be more aware and more are my words welcoming you do you feel comfortable with that I may not even like you I didn't mean to look at a particular person there. I may not even like you. It's got nothing to do with it. Do you belong in the web of life? Yes. Yes, so you belong to me. And then, how how can we in society... Right now, I mean, I don't want to get into the things we're hearing now in the political realm, um, like, specifically, but... My goodness, there's people being told they don't belong in any number of ways because of their color, their race, their ethnicity, their socioeconomic status, their education, their sexuality, their identity. A thousand excluding ideas. And that can even be shown to them by a slight roll of someone's eyes. Oh, that's what you are. Oh. Oh. Down. Down. And so it's incumbent on us who actually get the sense of a web of life. There's millions of us all over the world to say, you belong. There's no, oh, there's no, oh. I may not like what you're doing. I may protest what you're doing, but you belong on the web of life for the rest of us. That doesn't change. So I'm going to show you a little clip. Um, my sister in law told me about it. It's called a clip called the free trip to Egypt are you aware of the free trip to Egypt we must be aware of the free trip to Egypt uh, this is the trailer and you're going to see this man decided to invite people to Egypt to meet Muslims and he picked people who you would never think would go and they never thought they would go because they already had a very clear idea of who the enemy was so Peter if you could show this
2: we're to the point in our country now that we need to be vigilant and watch out for ourselves it's like iraq and iran all of them places okay we just got to shut them down okay. and take back our oil my name is
0: car what are you what we're doing is we're taking people here from a different points of view, bringing them all to Egypt to have a dialogue.
2: An amazing project. Give no, away free trips to Egypt. The
0: whole point of this project is trying to to connect with people in kindness instead of fear. Do you think there is a way for us to maybe go to Egypt and understand what's happening there? No, you no. no, no, no. no.
2: no. no. They're
0: our enemy, no they're, matter. They're okay. All right. Free oh, trip to Egypt. Huh? Do you think you'd be interested in going to Egypt? And, 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 absolutely, yeah. I
2: I'd love to go to Egypt. to take you up on that no. offer. My fear is being taken hostage. When 9-11 happened, I just lost it. I'm so racist now. I can't stand myself. My mom, she thought that this was just some ploy to sell me into sex slavery. I just want to spread Jesus' love into the Middle East. Are you all ready for Egypt? One, Let's two, eat. three, Egypt! Yeah. Since I've been
0: here, it's completely different than what our news media tells us. I'm real cautious about like what we're getting into.
2: I just ask for supernatural protection right now in Jesus' name. A lot of the people have forgot why we're here. The whole point of this trip is we get to know Egyptians people think that there are going to be so much that's not the same and i just felt there was so much that was the same am i your first
1: person she's like
0: you guys go to all these different countries and are you truly fighting for america when something comes to you as a calling and you feel it deep in your heart and you do it you know it's right even if it's stupid and naive
1: This fellow is starting conversations all over America, all over America, in the most unlikely situations, to say, we all belong. An amazing thing. He said, he's worked with these people, they're over in Egypt, they're, one of them, you heard them praying for protection. (laughs) And yet, and at the end, they're holding each other and hugging each other because they understood that they all belonged to the family, all belonged to the family. I'm going to ask my three readers to to introduce the final song that you will be asked to join in. Uh, Babette will be singing the verse and you will be singing the chorus. And the song is about um, the fact that anyone and everyone belongs.
0: is an introduction to the song for anyone. I am a dock worker in a large port.
1: I am a sales clerk in
2: a grocery store. I am a mother of five children.
0: I am a single mother of three children.
2: I am an unemployed steel worker.
0: I am a mystic on a retreat. I am a homeless teenager.
2: I am an opera singer, nervous about my performance.
0: I am a member of a minority trying to keep quiet. I'm a disabled artist looking for work.
2: I'm a Bay Street stockbroker who can't sleep.
0: I am a Canadian soldier with difficult memories. I'm a peace activist who gets discouraged.
2: I'm a cancer patient with great hope.
0: I'm a conservationist who needs more helpers. I'm a politician in the majority.
1: I'm a politician in the
2: minority.
0: I'm a four year old afraid of the dark. I'm a refugee.
2: I'm your brother.
0: I am your sister. I am anyone.
2: I am everyone. I am you. Yeah.
1: we belong they belong we belong Uh, let's take that with us not that it's a new thought to you but hope it's a little richer a little more on your mind to use the words and the actions and the expressions that help everyone realize we are part of this web of life together and it matters and they matter and uh, go in that um Did you want to say something? You didn't. Okay. All right. I am now going to go play the sending song, and then I will greet you at the back.
0: in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. These podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our listeners, volunteers, and members of our community. To donate, go to our website, www.westhill.net, and click on the Canada Helps button, or go to www.westhill.net forward slash donate.